Hey everybody, it's Danny. I want to say thank you for tuning in to the Heartway Podcast. And I want to give a special thanks to those of you who are tuning in from really all over the world. We're so grateful that you are a part of our community and that you listen in on an ongoing basis. If you've been encouraged by what you've heard, I want to ask you to share this with a friend. You never know the impact that one of these messages can have in another person's life. And if you yourself have been impacted and you'd like to continue to partner with us to keep this work going, Check us out at heartwaychurch.com slash give. Every dollar that you give goes a really long way towards helping us do what it is that we do. Well, we love you. Really hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello. <laughs> How is everyone? Good. How, are your, how was your week? got a fist pump. <laughs> I got a ow. Nice. I love to hear it. I love to see it. You guys look beautiful. So I want to talk to you about everyone I'm here, here I'm sure knows about the law of attraction. A little bit, maybe. Okay, so I want to talk to you about that just a little bit, and then we're going to practice it. So a little bit fun. All right, so law of attraction. Oh, okay, okay, I gotcha. <laughs> um, so what is it? How does it work? They say that you attract the things into your life that are currently in your life. Um, it could be the good, it could be the bad. I mean, there's no right or wrong, right? So, but to you whether it's positive, negative, however you rate it. We attract these things into our lives, but how do we do this? So now if we dive into science a little bit, scientifically speaking, we are at the atomic level, these atoms, right? Carbon, hydrogen, oxygen, nitrogen, these little atoms that are doing things at a billion milliseconds a minute, if that makes sense. and. How is this all working together? How are we able to sit in this room together to, to, to function as in this human uh, body without having to tell our body what to do? And then scientifically we look at, you know, the science and the literature, electricity. And so for example, right now our hearts are pumping. We're not telling our hearts to pump, they're just doing it. Uh, the blood's uh, running through our bodies. We're not telling that to happen, it's just doing it. Our brain, my brain right now is telling me to talk to you and say these words. It's just doing it. Your ears are just listening, but you're not telling telling them to listen, it's just doing it. How? Electricity, right? And so with that being said, at the atomic level, we are electric beings. And if we're electric beings, that means we radiate a frequency. And that frequency, the magnitude of that frequency is the amplitude. And so there are low level frequencies, uh, frequency emotions and states of being. And then there are high level frequency emotions and states of being, just like thought. Thought, it can either be low, a low level frequency or high level frequency. And so with that being said, we are able to emit a frequency 
match that frequency to something on the outside of us that is on that wavelength and then physically bring that into our lives because we are vibrating on that frequency, on that wavelength, right? So the, the frequency of fear, I believe it's like in the hundreds, two hundreds, uh, we'll just say 200 hertz, right? Pretty low level frequency. Frequency of love is about seven to 800 hertz, very high level frequency. And so you can fine tune your frequency just like you would change your radio dial. You can change the frequency of your electromagnetic being by changing your thoughts, okay? And so, thank you. So with that being said, let's hit it. So <laughs> we're gonna go ahead and practice this. And you will start to see in due time, like when you meditate, you know, this is one more thing I, I wanna just get through to you, uh, to say, is when you meditate, a lot of people say to me, well, Crystal, I don't know how to meditate. My thoughts, I can't stop my thoughts. And I'm like, of course you can't stop your thoughts. You're this spiritual being living this human experience with a mind that is made to think thoughts. And so if you tell something to stop doing what it's made to do, it's like, how? How are you going to do that? So you think 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day. It's very hard to shut that off. But the more you meditate and the more you come home to your spirit and connect to your God essence, the more space we can create in between the thoughts. And so let's say you think right now in this minute, you've just thought 10 thoughts. Well, the more you meditate and sit with your spirit and your being and observe the thought, it'll be thought, 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 space, thought, 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 space. Whereas before meditation and, and a spiritual practice, it's just constant thoughts. And so in that space is where we manifest, right? So we meditate to create that space to manifest. And manifestation isn't something that you have to go seeking and look for because you already are the manifestations that you're seeking and looking for. It's just about fine tuning yourself to that frequency of whatever it is that you are wanting to attract into your being. So let's play. <laughs> All right, so may we close our eyes And just a deep breath in through the nose. And as always, we exhale through the mouth and we let go together. And we come home together in this space. And so a deep, beautiful inhale through the nose. And let's audibly just let go. Beautiful, I love hearing that. Again, beautiful, deep inhale through the nose. Let it go through the mouth. Feel as your body just begins to float. Feel as your being begins to calm we introduce the parasympathetic nervous system. 
we introduce peace. Deep inhale through the nose. And we let go together through the mouth. Beautiful. I ask that you set your intense tension for your practice. What is it that you're trying to attract into your life? Is it more peace? Is it happiness? Is it an answer? Is it more love? Is it a job, a career? Is it more financial success? Is it more health? Set the intention with the understanding that it already is. It is what it is. And so as we breathe, feel as a light enters through the top of your head and permeates your entire being. Feel this light, give it a color. Allow it to open your heart, your mind, your body, your soul. Deep inhale through the nose. And exhale. Bring this light to your forehead, your third eye. And I want you to bring that intention into your awareness. And feel it with your entire being. Feel the intention flowing through your entire being. The light is your intention. Your intention is the light. I want you to physically feel this manifestation. What is it going to feel like when it comes to fruition? What is it going to sound like? Hear what it sounds like. Are there going to be kids laughing? Are you going to hear keys because you just moved into a new home? What is your body going to feel like? What emotions are going to surface? Is it going to feel like relief? Is it going to feel like an answered prayer? Feel it. Bring it into your heart and feel it. Breathe. Inhale. Deep inhale. 
exhale. And we inhale for four seconds. So we inhale four, three, two, one, let go. What is blocking this manifestation from entering into the physical reality? If it is a fear, bring that fear into the picture. Bring the anxiety, whatever it is, bring it into the picture. And as we breathe, and you, as you exhale, you let go of that fear, of that anxiety. And so we breathe. Inhale for four, three, two, one, and we hold it and let go. Beautiful. And as you let go, physically feel it as you are letting go of anything that no longer serves you, anything that stands in the way of this manifestation in this dream, you let go. And so we breathe, bring it all the way in, bring it all the way in through your nose, to your forehead. Feel as the air just fills your lungs, your body. Send it down to your toes and we let go together. We leave all of our fears behind. We breathe in happiness, breathe in peace, breathe in your dreams and we let go. Bring someone that you really love and care about into your mind's eye, anyone. Feel what it feels like to be in this person's presence. Bring something that you care about into your mind's eye and feel it. Feel it with your entire being. Feel every emotion associated with this thing. Bring the highest version of yourself into your mind's eye. What does she or he look like? How do they walk? How do they stand? How do they feel? What is their health like? And say thank you. Deep inhale. And send the light through your being. Send it to your toes as you exhale. And as we breathe together, we think about the world, those outside of us that are facing any hard times and traumas. We send them light. We send them love. Our last inhale together for four seconds. Hold it at the top, 
and let go. And so it is. When you are ready, you may open your eyes. Wiggle your fingers and your toes. I love you and thank you. Mm. Amen. I am excited to share this message with you today because I think it's overdue. For a while now, I've had a lot of people who um, have asked me, Danny, what does Hartway believe as a church? And that question is a little complicated. I have been very hesitant to just give an answer to it because the truth is you don't have to adhere to any sort of belief system in order to belong to this spiritual community. We value diversity. We value difference of opinion. We like to practice open-mindedness. But then the question becomes, how do you have a community where there are ideological differences? Because ideological differences create a lot of division, create a lot of tension, create a lot of problems. Sometimes people even get violent because of ideological differences. So this experiment called Heartway that we're doing is very rare. Very rare. Because for most folks, it's either my way or the highway. So if we value diversity, if we don't say that everyone has to believe X, Y, Z to be a part of this community, how do we build relationships and maintain relationships when we see things differently? Well, the way that we do that here at Heartway is by inviting people to acknowledge their subjectivity and speak from their own experience. A lot of us have this habit of speaking in absolutes. So we will make claims about God, we will make claims about humanity, we will make claims about life, and we will speak things as if what we are speaking is the absolute truth. This is it, and either you see it or you don't. But when you can begin to acknowledge your subjectivity, the limitation of your own perception, when you can begin to speak from your own experience, when you can hold your beliefs with an open hand instead of a closed fist, now that leaves room for humility to enter into the discussion. And where there is humility, there is understanding. Where there is understanding, there is empathy. Where there is empathy, there can actually be connection even when there is diversity of thought and difference of opinion. So that is first and foremost what you gotta know about this community is that we don't enforce any particular belief system on anybody. We invite you to search for your own answers. Nevertheless, if
if we are a community of people that see things differently and that are on different sides of the spectrum when it comes to religious issues and political issues, how do we join our forces together? The reality of it is there is a theological underpinning and a theological foundation to the work that we're doing here at Heartway. Even though we see things differently and we leave room for diversity of thought, there is a theology that undergirds the work that we do. And I think it's important for us to get clear about what that theology is. Now, when you get clear about who you are as an individual and when you get clear about who you are as a community, inevitably that's going to create some dissonance, some conflict, some tension. And as I mentioned earlier, I've been slow to kind of outline what a theology, what Hartway's theology is, because the point isn't for everybody to think the same way here. However, you cannot build community on ambiguity. <laughs> and a lot of the feedback that I've gotten is, Danny, you tell us, search for the answers and look within ourselves. And you say that you don't really know, but we don't want to hear that. <laughs> We need a little more direction. We need a, and, and I can provide that because, yes, when it comes to the messaging that you hear on Sunday morning, there are theological principles that ground the content that we share. But again, as I go about sharing this, don't think that you have to check off all of these boxes to be a part of this community. In fact, a lot of the things that I will share with you today about the theological principles that support the work that we do, you may have questions about. You may not think that that is true, and we have room for you in this community. This is a, 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 an exploration. Spirituality is a, is a never-ending exploration. So... Theology is important. Theology should not be neglected. Theology literally means the study of God. I like to define theology as the interpretation of spiritual experience. So theology is about giving language to the ineffable. Theology is about Creating a framework that can help us make sense of our own spiritual realizations as human beings. Oftentimes, I emphasize here at Heartway spirituality instead of theology. But theology and spirituality don't have to be divorced from one another. They actually belong together. Theology without spirituality is dead. It's lifeless. And spirituality without theology, I think it can be said, is unsustainable and unreproducible. How will people learn unless they are taught? And how can anyone be taught unless there is a teaching, right? So spiritual teachings, theological teachings are created to point people towards the path. The path is spirituality. How we articulate and express the path is theology. So in uh, one tradition, they use this example of a finger pointing to the moon. 
Spiritual teaching is like a finger pointing to the moon. If someone is with you outside on a beautiful night and there's stars out in the sky and it's a full moon and they use their finger to point to the moon, the point isn't for you to look at the finger and examine it and study it and be like, wow, that finger is amazing and this is the only right finger. And No. <laughs> the finger matters. Without the finger, you may not even be paying attention to the moon. But the finger is not what's most important. What's important is that you see the moon for yourself with your own eyes. Same is true when it comes to theology and all spiritual teachings. Another illustration that's often used is about a man who was in the wilderness and he came across this great expanse of water. Where he was was really dangerous, so he wanted to get to the other side. So he started to look for all the materials that he could to build a raft. And then he got on the raft, went across, and made it to the other side. Well, what do you think happened to the raft when he got to the other side? He didn't need it anymore. So he left the raft behind. That's how theology and spiritual teaching works. The point of it is to get you somewhere to get you to that experience of God within yourself, to get you to a place of rest within your soul, to get you to that experience of inner equanimity, tranquility, peace within yourself. Once you get there, you don't have to keep carrying around the raft. And you also don't have to tell everybody, hey, this is the only raft that can get you here. So... Theology is pointing us towards the path. Spirituality is the path. Theology is how we articulate and express how we experience it. So I want to share with you all today the raft that we offer to people here at Heartway to help get them to that experience of God realization. And I hope that as I share these principles with you, you can have a better understanding of why we do the things we do and what it is exactly that we are trying to teach and share with the world. You know that I just realized when you gave me a hug that it, well, now I just realized that it's you. And I didn't realize when you gave me a hug earlier. Hi! <laughs> are you shy? Okay, come, 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 come. Can you introduce yourself and just please? Because this is just awesome. This is, this is, this is just awesome. I'm Kayline. <laughs> okay, how did you hear about Heartway? Why are you here? What's going on? I've been watching Heartway for years. I think we how met. Many years? Oh, since its inception. Yes. Yeah, we met at a Rob Bell event one time a long time ago. Which I don't remember. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and then, like, Facebook, we've just kept in touch, and she's always writing me messages. But where do you live? I live in Panama City currently. So cool. So we got, look at that, we got a, you know. Thanks for being here. You're the best. Thank you. I, I just realized it. When I gave you a hug earlier, I, I would have given it so much better, but I didn't know that it was you. All right, back to, back to the message. Jeez, where was I? What was I talking about? Oh, okay, then I'm going to share with you these principles. Yeah, the raft and the, and the principles. And, 
the raft. All right, guys. So I'm going to share with you the raft that we share with everybody. And um, the way that I guess you can label the kind of theology that I teach is with the terminology mystical theology. Okay, what I'm going to share with you is really just my own synthesis of the mystical teachings of Christianity. Mysticism is simply a form of spirituality that emphasizes God as mystery. And so because God is beyond all concepts that we could ever conceive about God, because God is beyond all speech and language and all things that we could ever say about God, the way that we come to experience God for ourselves is by also going beyond concepts, beyond language, beyond speech, into the direct experience of God through stillness and love. That is essentially what mysticism is all about. And there's one German mystic by the name of Meister Eckhart who said, theologians of the world may quarrel, but the mystics of the world all speak the same language. So these teachings, as I said, are my own synthesis of the mystical teachings of Christianity. But these truths are witnessed to by mystics of all different backgrounds and religious traditions and paths, which I'll get into later. Also, it's important to say that I'm only going to give a very cursory overview of these principles. They all deserve their own uh, attention and devotion and sermon. But for today, I just want to introduce this to you. And, and hopefully this will give you a little clarity and a better picture of who we are and what we're doing. So we're going to start with the first theological principle, which is this. God is in everything and everything is in God. God is in everything and everything is in God. Meaning... There is no separation between God and the universe. Creator and creation are not two things but one. Matter and spirit, form and formless, are just two different aspects of one reality. So God is not a being, a supernatural being that exists somewhere really far away outside of the universe. God is not a being among other beings. God is beingness itself. Look at how Thomas Aquinas put it here. The essence of God is existence itself. So in the same way that fish are in the ocean and ocean is in the fish, God is in everything and everything is in God. We are like waves in the ocean of God. A wave is not separate from the ocean. But it's there for a little while, and then it goes back to its source. In the same way, we are here for some time, and then we subside back into our source. We are waves in the ocean of God. There is no separation between God and humanity. There is a fundamental unity. And this is the complete opposite of what a lot of us grow up with in Christianity. Because the message typically of Christianity is, no, there's a huge separation between God and humanity. God doesn't even want to look at you because you're so sinful and dirty. You know, so this is actually the complete opposite of that. This is like, no, no, you don't get it. You are a beloved child of God. You belong to God. You are one with God. God is the very core of your soul. You just got to wake up to the reality of who you are because you've forgotten. You're asleep. 
So our job is to help open people's eyes with the truth that God is in everything and everything is in God. And from this vantage point, all of existence is seen as one interconnected web of relationships. So everything is connected to everything else by virtue of its connection to the source. The universe and everything in it is an extension of God. So everything is made of God. God is in all things, and all things are in God. Look at how the scriptures put it. In him we live and move and have our being. We are his offspring. In him we live and move and have our being. Romans 8.36, for from him and through him and to him are all things. Ephesians 4.6, there is one God who is father of all, over all, through all, and within all. What's beautiful about attaining this realization, because th again, these are not just concepts that I'm trying to share with you. If it remains a concept, it's nothing, it's empty. This has to be something that you come to see for yourself, right? When you see the presence of God in all things, when you see God in everything, when you understand the oneness, the radical unity of all life, this helps you to live in harmony with the way things are because you trust that there is a divine intelligence at work in and through everything. And so this entire world is God's theater and you, are, you and I are simply actors in the play. And the script that he has written is perfect. It is so good beyond your wildest imagination. And even though there's a whole lot of plot twists, <laughs> okay, and even though there's a whole lot of character development that's going on, <laughs> and sometimes we don't get it and sometimes we don't understand it, your story has been written and the one who has written the story is the all-wise, the infinitely intelligent. Okay, so that's the first principle, which leads to the second principle, which is that all human beings are an expression of divinity. So you and I as human beings are embodiments of God's presence. The word that's used in Christianity is incarnation. Oftentimes the word incarnation is a word that's used only to describe Jesus. Jesus is the incarnation of God. Yes. And... What he shows us is that so are we, and so is everything else. Human beings are an expression of divinity. We carry God's life within us. We are the life of God being expressed in unique form. So the phrase that's used in the book of Genesis is image of God. Human beings are created in the image of God which means what? We are all reflections of God. Every human being reflects a unique aspect of God. People come in all different shapes and sizes and genders and sexual orientations and political affiliations and races and colors and religions and, and we embrace all of them. Because every human being is an expression of divinity. So we approach 
every human being with reverence, with curiosity. Most people are threatened by differences. Oh, you're not like me? Oh, you have a different lifestyle than me? Oh, you believe differently than me? And we're, of course, we're afraid of what we don't know. That's just being human. But when you live from this core realization that every human being is an expression of divinity, now it doesn't matter if it is somebody on death row. You see a human being full of worth, full of dignity, simply because they exist. And there's nothing that anybody needs to do to get worth and to get value and to get dignity. And there's nothing that you can do to lose it. It is simply yours by virtue of existing because you exist because God has breathed you into existence. So you matter. You're here for a purpose. You're here for a reason. Every human being is a child of God. Not everybody knows that. Not everybody understands it. Not everybody has awakened to it. Not everybody lives as if that were true, but that does not take away from the fact that it is. And when you live in that way, it changes the way that you treat other human beings. Now, what it means to love God is love neighbor because the two are inseparable. If you say you love God and you don't love your neighbor, you don't love God. You really don't. Because if you're looking for God, it's the person you hate. That's God too. You see how this totally flips the script. Yeah, Danny, you're telling me now I should pray for my enemies? Yes. You're telling me I got to love my enemies? Yes. Even when they talk shit about me? Yes. Yes, I know. But here's the point. You don't have to. You get to. You don't have to. Trust me, you, don't, you do not have to. That's the problem is that a lot of times this message is, is put forth as an obligation because, of course, the Bible uses that language because it was helpful for humans at a time in history to think of it as commands and obedience, which I'm okay with that language too. But when it's command and obedience, it's obligation. And sometimes when it's done out of obligation, it's not done from the heart. And if it's not done from the heart, it's going to eat you up alive on the inside trying to do it. So, so what I tell people is, no, you get to do it. And what you'll realize is that God's way really is higher than your way. And it feels a lot better to do it God's way. Not going to be easier. Not going to be easier. Not going to be easier. <laughs> okay. But it feels better that way. You know, when, when people are throwing rocks at you, when life is hard, when you're being, when people speak ill of you, but you still keep your character, you keep your integrity, you still are a, are a person who shows love and who does good to all people and who judges nobody. People may not treat you that way, but you have that feeling. You know, I'm doing what's right. I'm walking in integrity. And that, that's enough, I promise, to hold you through the worst storms that life has to bring your way. I'm going to... I'm going to keep my integrity. I'm going to walk in my truth. That's enough to sustain you. But what helps us live this out is understanding that all human beings are an expression of divinity. That means total equality. Total equality. I emphasize this all the time. The world standards, which of course, you know, this is just the reality of it. We associate money with power. 
you know, and the more stuff we got and the more money we have, the more important people are. And of course, we treat people differently when they are powerful. It's just the world that we live in is not bad. It's not bad. It's just what it is. Like if the president walked in here right now, we'd probably be like, yes, sir. Oh, yeah, you know, here, please sit in the front. Oh, yeah, you're amazing. Some of y'all would be like, I'm getting out of here, man. This guy's ridiculous. But the point is when someone of honor, some, you know, when, when there's power walks into a room, we treat people differently. But when you walk with God and you come to know God, that, you, that gets thrown by the wayside. You do it for social convention, maybe. Yeah, of course I'm going to honor and respect people just because that's what society does. But in my heart, I don't treat the president any different than I do the plumber. Because every human being is an expression of divinity. And you know what was funny what I was thinking about the other day? Because you know how the news always talks about the great resignation, right? And, and people not working anymore. And nobody wants to do the, the menial jobs and work in all these places. And I was thinking to myself, man, everybody just wants to be big time social media entrepreneur and just not work a nine to five. And I just want to make money my own way. Do all that. It's incredible that we live in a time where that's actually possible. But I think at some point, society may realize like, man, we really have undervalued the little guy or the people who are doing just the regular work that nobody wants to do. Like the scriptures say, one part of the body can't say to the other part of the body, I don't need you. <laughs> the person that you may think is the most insignificant or doing the most menial of tasks matters immensely for the whole thing to operate smoothly. And so this is a vision that is all-inclusive, all-inclusive. Everybody matters. Everybody is equal. Everyone has a place. Everyone belongs. Every human being, child of God. Everyone an expression of divinity, which leads to the next one. Our mind creates our reality. Everything that you experience, you experience in your mind. All of your memories, all of your traumas, all of your anxieties, all of your fears, all of your worries occur in the mind. Our life is created by our mind. Our mind is the filter through which we see and perceive reality. And a lot of us have filters that are very distorted by our judgments and our assumptions. And that filter keeps us from seeing life as it is, life as God has given it to us and created it to be. There's a story in the Indian tradition about a man who was walking in the desert. And as he was walking along the path, he sees a snake. And he jumps back in fear because it's a big snake. But after a while, he notices that snake is not moving. So when he builds up a little courage, he gets a little closer, and he realizes that the snake is just a rope. Now, how often, <laughs> okay, y'all already know where I'm going with this. How often? Have we jumped back in fear or gone into panic mode and started worrying and started freaking out about a snake that's just a rope? <laughs> but later on, we come to realize, oh, yeah, 
It was just a rope. But at that time, our initial reaction, because of how we perceived something from our limited vantage point, created fear in us. Well, if we would have just a little bit of courage to examine the snake, to examine our assumptions, to examine our judgments, not just to believe every thought that pops into our mind. If we can have the courage to really investigate, what we will come to see is that the truth is not always what it appears to be. So the work that we do at Heartway is helping people to let go of their mental attachments, to learn how to live life without judgment. And of course, we have to make judgments, but don't get too attached to the judgment because your judgment is limited and it may be wrong. You may be seeing things in the complete opposite way of what reality actually is. And so patience is good and keeping an open mind is very good too. That's the next principle here, which is not knowing is true knowledge. By the way, none of this stuff that I'm saying should be new to you. If you've been listening, if you've been at Heartway, then you know I say all of this already. If I've been doing my job right, you're already, this is not new. What's different is the explicitness with which I'm presenting this to you as like, hey, this is our theological paradigm. You know, these are the principles that are at work. Every time I'm up here speaking, this is, this is really what I'm teaching. Okay, this one here is my favorite one. Not knowing is true knowledge. Many of you know I work as a chaplain in hospice. Every day I am with patients who are at the end of their life. A lot of the times these people are mentally confused, disoriented, they can't speak. But sometimes there are people who have all of their mental clarity and I'm able to listen to these people share and talk about their life and I have some incredible encounters. And the other day I went into somebody's home, it was a, it was a new patient, and he was there uh, reclined on his couch. I introduced myself to him. We started talking. I asked about his spiritual beliefs, religious affiliation. And he started telling me that he's not much of a religious person, but he's deeply spiritual. And he started sharing with me um, kind of a little bit about his philosophy of life. And one of the things that he said was when I asked him how he feels knowing that he's going to die soon. And he said, you know, chaplain, I am very content and satisfied because even though I have yet to pass on, the gates of heaven have already been opened to me. So already, already he said that I'm like, whoa, bro. I'm like, we're, we're going there today. We're going deep. So I'm like, tell me more about that. And he began to tell me that he's a poet. And for years and years, he's, he's just written poetry. He recited one of his poems to me, and it was about uh, issues of like world hunger and war and all of our economic uh, problems and inequalities. And then he, he was sharing about how the way we bring healing to the world is by finding healing within ourselves. And I just found so much resonance with this guy. And after he finished sharing his heart with me, I knew in that moment that I was speaking with um, a man of depth, a man of great wisdom, a man of great maturity. I, I heard it in his words, and I could feel it. And so after we finished that discussion, and I was about to leave, 
I prayed for him. And then as I was leaving, I said, man, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with me. Because I, I, I just can't describe the way that I felt leaving there. It was like I was high on a cloud or something. It was just like, wow. It was so beautiful. Everything that he was sharing from his heart. And I said, thank you for sharing your wisdom with me. Immediately, he looked at me and he said, thank you for recognizing something in me I don't have. Man, that really stood out to me. That was like the icing on the cake. I was like, you're awesome. (laughs) You're freaking awesome, dude. Because it reminded me of the proverb that says, only a fool thinks he's wise in his own eyes. If you think you're wise, you're not. And the wisest of us all, they know they're just fools. Thank you for recognizing something in me I don't have. And I laughed. And he laughed because we both knew. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I get it. (laughs) Like, we know we don't know. And it was a beautiful moment. So not knowing is true knowledge. Having what some have called a beginner's mind is so important on the spiritual journey. We never become experts. We're always learning, always learning, especially when it comes to yourself. You never have yourself figured out. There's always more unfinished business to deal with. And so keep an open mind, open mind. Look at this quote from a guy named Peter Ralston who wrote a, it's, this is kind of weird to me though. He, he, I have a book in my house from this author who I just found. It's, it's probably like a thousand pages, but the title of the book is The Book of Not Knowing. I'm like, bro, how are you going to have so many pages and you don't know anything? But it's actually really great. But look at what he says. Knowing can be useful, but learning not to know creates a powerful openness that is inconceivable until it is experienced. Our core beliefs simply appear to us as reality. Only when we realize that beliefs are not the truth will the door of possibility open so that we can experience what is true. That first line is why I wanted to read this. Knowing is useful, but learning not to know creates a powerful openness. When you're having interactions with people, when someone triggers you, when someone's getting on your nerves, you already know what's going on. You've already made your judgments. You are... What can happen if you can practice not knowing? You know what? Let me not make an assumption here. Let me, let me not assume. Let me not assume this, that, or the other. Let me not assume that you purposely are attacking me or trying to make me feel bad. Let me not assume this, that, or the other. That will do a lot of good for you. And it will also save you from looking like a fool. Because a lot of times we, our behaviors are stemming from wrong judgments and assumptions that simply aren't true. Keep yourself open. Keep yourself open. Keep yourself open. This is another quote from Thomas Aquinas because this is not just true when it comes to -to day-to-day interactions, but even when it comes to our thinking about God. Man reaches the peak of his knowledge of God when he realizes that he does not know him. Understanding that the divine reality surpasses all human conception of it. Next principle. The summit of all spiritual teaching is love. 
There is nothing more important. There is nothing deeper than love. If all I ever did was come here on Sunday morning and share a message about love, that would be enough. Over and over and over and over again. I may do that, actually, at some point. If all I did was talk about this, that would be enough. Love will teach you everything there is to know about God and about yourself. The scriptures say that God is love. God is love. So Jesus also said, That love is the fulfillment of the scriptures. Everything that the scriptures teach, if we had to sum it it up and boil it down to one core truth, it would be the truth of love. That love is what will set you free. Love is who you are and love is who God is. That's it. You can have all the knowledge in the world. You can be the most spiritually devoted person in the world. You can know all about the chakras. You can have sound bowls. You can go to yoga every day. You can read your Bible every day and not know God. Because if you have love, you have nothing. Literally nothing. This is why, you know, the greatest greatest teaching that any teacher of spirituality can give is actually their own life. You know, because, again, these are all just words that I share with you. My, my life may not match the words, but what I say is it's not hard for me to live up to the message that I preach because the message that I preach is just be yourself. And love starts with you, too. So when you find yourself being unloving towards another person, you have a great opportunity to show love to yourself in that moment. And you have a great opportunity to apologize to the other person. Do you like apologizing? Get used to it. Because that's something, you know, guess what? For me, it's like, I wish, I wish every human being in my life that I had a relationship with could know that my intention is pure. If there was one thing that I wish the people closest to me to know is my intention is, is pure with you. Even though my intention is pure, I will still do things and say things that will offend and hurt people. That's what I'm realizing. It's like I can have the purest intention. I don't mean any harm, but what I say and what I do can still affect somebody in a way that I didn't intend it to. And so I got to get used to saying, hey, I didn't, you know, I didn't intend that, but I see the effect that I had. I apologize. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. And we got to get, that's a part of love. Summit of all spiritual teaching is love. Next. This one is, is the one people have a hard time with. There are many paths up the mountain of truth, but the view from the top is the same. All of the world's great religious traditions provide people with a path to God realization. But God cannot be contained by any one of them. So I like to speak of religion having both an external form and an internal core. The external form of religion is where all the disagreement happens. The external form of religion is 
the scriptures, our stories, our symbols, our rituals, our doctrines, our dogmas. These are, this is the level where all of the world's religious traditions clash because there's a lot of differences and disagreements and we cling to the external forms. But the internal core, if you go deep enough any path, the internal core of all religion is the experience of God, the experience of love. And that is what all paths have in common. Look at this quote from a man named uh, David Stendhal Rast. He makes this distinction between faith and beliefs that I like a lot. He says, what people call different faiths are merely different belief systems, different expressions of the one universal attitude of existential faith. Faith is far more than the sum total of beliefs. Beliefs are merely pointers. Faith is profound trust in the actuality to which beliefs point. There are many beliefs, but there is ultimately only one faith, faith in God. Beliefs are only windows through which we see the one actuality with which faith is concerned, God. By belief, one gives one's intellectual assent. By faith, one gives one's heart in total trust. And so what all of those belief systems are pointing to is this existential experience of total trust. I like to say absolute dependence on, on God. Next one. And we're almost there. One more after this. This one's big. Big theological principle that grounds our work. Truth is not understood unless it is lived. Okay, the scriptures say faith without action is dead. So the point is to not know, the point isn't to know all these things intellectually, but experientially. It has to become real to you. It has to come alive in you. So what we are teaching here isn't so much this, be uh, this belief system. We're teaching a way of life. We are teaching a way of being in the world that is rooted in love, compassion, non-judgment, stillness, and peace. That's what we're about from top to bottom. Truth is not understood unless it is lived. And then last but not least, at Heartway, Jesus is our central reference point and model for spiritual living. And this language is very intentional. Because within Christianity, even though a lot of us are not exposed to this, because I did school for so long and I, I was in the world of academic theology, I was exposed to a lot of different viewpoints that people have who call themselves Christian. And in seminary school, they taught us a form of theology called Christology, right? The study of Christ's identity, Christology. And there are some people who have a high Christology. So people with a high Christology see Jesus as God. Then there's a low Christology. People who have a low Christology, but who are Christians, but they have a low Christology, doesn't mean better or worse. High just implies like transcendent. Low implies like earthy. People with a low Christology primarily see Jesus as a human a mystic, a wisdom teacher, a healer, a miracle worker, a, a, a social revolutionary. And they approach Jesus and the Bible and the Gospels from a human standpoint. My point is, 
people have different ideas about who Jesus is. Jesus didn't even really go around telling people, hey, this is who I am. Believe me. His disciples actually were like, hey, this person says you're the, re- you're, um, the, the second coming of Elijah the prophet. This guy over here says you're someone else. Who are you? And Jesus just said to them, well, who do you say I am? He put it back on them and their own experience. You've walked with me. You've talked with me. You've heard me. Who do you say I am? At Heartway, I want to invite people into that kind of exploration. I don't want to tell you who Jesus is. You don't have to believe anything about Jesus. Who do you say I am? The point is for you to have an experience and an encounter with Jesus for yourself. And from there, you can decide. But you don't have to believe anything particularly about Jesus to be a part of this community. However, Jesus' teachings is our central reference point, And Jesus' life is our model for spiritual living. And what brings us together here is our common passion for Jesus. We got yogis in here who love Jesus. We got evangelical Christians in here who love Jesus. We got progressive uh, people in here who love Jesus. I've had Jewish people come in here who love Jesus. We have people here who don't even have a religion, and they like Jesus. So more than getting you to believe something about Jesus, what I want is for us to really develop the same mind that he had, to see the world in the same way that Christ saw the world. Because when we do that, that's when we bring heaven to earth. And that's what we're doing. So I hope this helps bring a little more clarity and a little more understanding about who we are as a community. And guess what? This all subject to change. (laughs) Sorry. I love you guys. This is awesome. You're the best. I'm going to do a little prayer and then then we're, we're out. God, thank you so much for bringing us together. This is such a unique and special community. We're grateful to have each other. We're grateful to be on this journey of exploration. Lead us, guide us, direct us on our path. Help us to live this truth that we speak. May we see your presence in all things. May we understand that we are an expression of your very own life. May we see every human being as your children. May we come to the humility of not knowing. May we keep our minds open. May we live in love. May we trust that... Our path works for us, but there are paths that work for others, too, that look very different than ours. May we practice patience and tolerance and acceptance. And may Jesus be our North Star. Amen. All right, everybody. Love you. Take it easy. Have a great week.